Grace, mercy, and peace to you through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Uh, Last Sunday, somebody asked me, so what are you going to do today? I said, well, I don't have to watch football. I'm going to take a nap. It's just so good to have the NFL done. And then on Monday, I came back on the radio, listening on my trip in to work about the XFL that just started. And the radio personalities there were talking about the, how the XFL could teach the NFL a few things. And maybe the NFL could adapt to what the XFL is doing. And one of those things was they improved instant replay. What they've done is they brought in audio to the whole experience. So now you can hear what they're seeing and how they're commenting and what they're, how they're judging it and even having... I think connections to the rule book and the, the guru in the sky who's telling them what they're seeing and how it fits with the rules. And, and so there's a more transparency. And this radio personality says, this will make everybody happier now because there's more transparency. To which I said, no, it won't. And you know it won't. And then I thought, oh, this will preach. This fits my gospel lesson next Sunday. We'll see if I make it work, okay? A little bit about the history of the instant replay. Um, It was tried in the late 70s, the mid-80s a little bit. By the 90s, the technology had come to make it really work. And it was only in the the mid-teens of the 2000s that uh, it became a permanent feature. And, uh, And now the camera angles are so many and they're so well done that it's five times sharper than it used to be and you can freeze frame it and you can zoom in on it and so now you have so many camera angles such great camera angles such slow motion and freeze frame that now you have to start defining things because what the naked eye once saw what we all thought common sense what a catch was now we're asking the question well what exactly is a catch and now we're defining what a catch is It's complicated things, hasn't it? It hasn't simplified anything. And now this year, pass interference was the big deal. Gospel lesson today. Jesus is speaking to a culture, the Jewish culture there. When they went into exile in Babylon, some roughly uh, 500 years before Jesus, uh, in judgment over their sin, they created a Jewish culture now that, that, that we recognize as the Jewish culture. And the Pharisees were part of this Jewish culture there. And what was part of the creation in their Babylon experience is they came back and they said, this shall never happen to us again. We will be a righteous people. God will never judge us again for being unrighteous. We shall have 613 rules, man-made rules, around the most essential Biblical rules. Let's just say the Ten Commandments. Those 613 rules are tripwires. When we start breaking those, we recognize that we need to repent and go back, and this will regulate our behavior. And if we could just keep these 613 rules, we'll become a righteous people, and God in kindness will visit us with the Messiah. And not only will he not exile us, but he will kick out the oppressors and bring in the kingdom he promised. 613 rules will manage our behavior 
and make us good. 613 cameras, if you will, camera angles, all paying attention to the behavior of our life, if you're getting it right or wrong. 2,000 years later, here we are in America. I think we live in a very pharisaical time too. It's not a religious pharisaism, but there's a new orthodoxy in the land. A lot of new rules for us to keep. Some of it's religious, certainly. A lot of it might be political or cultural. The new orthodoxy is how you're supposed to speak, how you're supposed to vote, what issues are super important, what aren't, how you're supposed to have an opinion on certain art, opi- things. New rules. doesn't even have to do with politics or culture. How about just the whole wellness and food culture and exercise culture? Bunch of new rules there. New gurus, new doctor recommendations that change every five or ten years, but nevertheless, there they are. This will keep us healthy. 613 rules there, 613 rules here, 613 rules here, and 613 cameras. Everybody having a camera who can take a picture of us at our worst moments, put it on the web, ready to destroy us at any moment, who will capture a tweet in our worst moment, put it on the web, ready to destroy us. And so we live in that shaming culture, 613 cameras paying attention to how we're behaving, what we're saying, what we're doing. A cancel culture where we can be simply canceled and deemed unworthy. Let's go back to Jesus. Jesus today in our gospel lesson says concerning how you're supposed to live. And he gets to the Ten Commandments, not the 613 rules. He's speaking about Ten Commandments, only dealing with two of them today. Do not kill and do not commit adultery. You haven't killed anybody. Great. But have you been angry with your brother? Have you insulted your brother? Do you call him a fool? Or another gospel lesson says, Raka, which I think is a bad word. In your heart, have you harbored an anger and a bitterness, a hatred toward a brother or a sister? Then you've killed him or her. You haven't committed adultery. Good for you. But have you looked at a beautiful woman and allowed your imagination to settle there for a bit, then you've committed adultery in your heart. And to this, everybody is saying, come on, Jesus, really? (laughs) Every guy has done that. Yeah, exactly, Jesus is saying. Everybody has harbored anger and hatred towards another human being. Exactly. Jesus, seriously? Isn't it enough that we just regulate our behavior? No, Jesus is bringing audio. Jesus is bringing audio to bear. He's opening up your heart 
to the conversation of your conscience and to the judgment of God. What's going on in your heart? Seriously, Jesus. I think it was last Sunday, the gospel lesson ended with, unless your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus is talking about. The Pharisees were about physical behavior. 613 rules, everybody paying attention, a lot of camera angles, getting your behavior down right. Jesus is talking about the heart. Out of the heart, Jesus said, comes the words. Out of the heart comes your deeds. The heart is what matters. Paul says the same. In Romans chapter 7, he talks about his heart. Now, Paul was one of these Pharisees, one of these firm believers that you could manage life really well, manage righteousness, create righteousness by following the 613 rules. Paul says, the law of God, when it put a marker down and says, don't covet, I didn't know that coveting was a sin until the law said it was a sin. And now my heart is deemed sinful. And not only that, when I'm told not to covet, my heart wants to covet more. Our heart is by nature sinful, rebellious against God to its very end. Paul said, the things I know I should do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do are the things I keep going back doing. Our hearts need to be saved. Our hearts are by nature rebellious. And Jesus is preaching that to a crowd that has come to believe that sin could simply be managed, that it was within human willpower to deal with. No, Jesus added audio. It was the human heart, the collective human heart, that put this Jesus on the cross, this great preacher of ours today. And why is he on the cross? Because, oh, he must have tripped up one of the 613 technical, you know, technicalities. They found some loophole, some, some reason he, he broke one of these man-made rules. That human heart, collectively, wanted to cancel him. They got their cell phones out. They started tweeting his oops all over. Got everybody there in the plaza before Pontius Pilate, and they started shouting, cancel him, cancel him, cancel him. Crucify him. And they shamed him out of non-existence because that pure and beautiful soul was damning to their conscience. Dear people of God, don't settle with a life that is managed. I know you all want to live a, a good life. Uh, you want, in the end, for your life to have, you, you played the game well. 
And some of you might be in the two-minute warning right now of your life. Some of you might just be beginning in the first quarter. Some of it might be at halftime. But in the end, is your life merely to be managed? Is that all? There's a lot of good books out there, a lot of good wisdom. It doesn't even have to be religious. Some of it is religious. Some of it's even Christian with Bible verses in it. And a lot of good Christian self-help books out there that use the law of God to guide us, which is all good. And I would encourage you to pay attention to the law of God. It's, it's wise. It's what we can shape our lives by. But in the end, is it just a matter of self-help and willpower? Finding 613 rules to follow? Is that it? Is your main hope is that I've lived my life pretty well? People will admire me for how I've lived my life. I did it well. Well, then Jesus says you will have received your reward. What the people say about you at your graveside. Or do you want a deeper reward than that? Do you want something eternal? Something life transforming? The very life of Jesus living in you, even today and for all eternity. So open up your heart and your mind to hear the real commentary going on. Don't settle for just the behavior. Pay attention to the voice of your conscience, to the voice of God. What's the audio happening? Where are you in relation to pride or humility, to love or indifference, to hatred or kindness, or to use the language of our Old Testament lesson today, Life or death, blessing and curse. Jesus on the cross is not just a tragedy. He is not just a good man who got tripped up by the, the jealousies of a, of a, of a, of a tiny-minded world. This man played the game perfectly. This Jesus lived human, human human, a human life lived perfectly. There was a human being once who played the game perfectly. And I don't care how many instant replays you put on that guy, it was done well. And this human life was taken to the cross. This human life is done in your name. A human being, you even in Jesus, have lived perfectly. This Jesus God, 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 God dying, shedding his blood for the sins of the whole world, for your sins. This Jesus, our preacher today, lived the perfect game. He died for you. His resurrection proves to the world that salvation is secure. There's a greater reward than just having a successful, happy life judged by most people.
who've read the same self-help books that you've read. We have a better voice going inside of us that's calling us more and more each and every day to the cross of Jesus. We get to live daily repenting, clinging to the cross, hearing our conscience, fleeing to the grace of God. That's a good habit to get into, isn't it? In Jesus' holy name. Amen.